irreverent, entertaining, cool. You are listening to LA Talk Radio. We say what we want. You're listening to You're Not the Person I Hired with Brad Remillard, only on LA Talk Radio. Welcome, uh, everyone. Today, uh, we're going to talk about an interesting subject, one that's been a lot of discussion on our uh, LinkedIn web, uh, website or LinkedIn uh, discussion group. Uh, you're free to join that, by the way. It's a discussion group about hiring, and you could just go to LinkedIn, type in discussion groups and uh, impact hiring solutions job search network discussion group. Before we do that, let me just uh, remind everyone that uh, today's show and every show uh, that we talk about is really about one major topic. Uh, we're here to focus on hiring. Uh, in the economy we have today, hiring is uh, on m many people's mind, either about finding a job uh, or fear that maybe they need a job. And from the company standpoint, what do I do about hiring? What happens if uh, all of a sudden the economy turns around and now I'm back where I was a year ago when I can't find people and all the good people are at my competitors. So we cover hiring from two avenues. One, from the company standpoint, and our show about a week or maybe last week or the week before that was how companies can leverage the social media uh, in order to find candidates, uh, in order to uh, uh, use social media to leverage top talent and bringing them on board. And then we also cover it from the candidate's perspective. If you're out there looking at a job market or fear of going into the job market, what are you going to do and what can you do to shorten your time in search, to shorten and reduce and make that transition time as absolutely short as possible? So that's basically what this show is all about. We bring in guest speakers from now and then, experts on different topics. Uh, and hopefully uh, you can participate if you'd like. You can participate in two different ways. You can uh, send us emails if you're sitting at Starbucks and don't want to be chatting on the phone. And we'll take your emails as we go through the show. Send them to Brad at, and then the name of my company. It's ImpactHiringSolutions.com. So if you send them to Brad at ImpactHiringSolutions.com, They'll pop into my email while we're on the show. I'll read them as best I can and actually try and answer them. If you'd rather be part of the discussion and talk about your specific resume and have a dialogue rather than just me giving you a, a short answer, you can give us a call and we'll talk about your uh, specific issue live right now while we're on the show. And you call us at 818-602-4929. Four nine two nine, but there's a catch uh, here. Here it comes. If you want to call, you're welcome to do that, and uh, we welcome your calls. We'll have a discussion to make sure we cover. But here's the issue: you got to unblock your call. We will not accept a blocked call. So if you have your caller ID blocked, which you should not do anyway during a uh, uh, search, just dial star eight two first, then eight one eight six zero two four nine two nine. And uh, we'll get you on and we'll talk about your issue. You don't have to be shy. We'll be nice and we'll just cover your issue. And the goal here is to get uh, the most out of this uh, next uh, 45, 50 minutes as you can to shorten your time in search. So today's topic is one I mentioned uh, we're going to focus on specifically. It's pretty narrow, 
Uh, often we try and talk, stay a little bit broader, but we're going to talk about resumes today. We're going to focus on what I consider to be one of the biggest issues we deal with, and that is simply why traditional resumes are worthless. We find that most resumes really don't hit the mark. As a recruiter, I've been an executive search recruiter now for since 1980. Uh, you can do the math on that one. In that 29 years, I can't even, I don't even know how many resumes I've looked at. I'm pro it's probably close to what the deficit is this year. Uh, somewhere, I don't know if it's in the trillion, but it's getting close. And I would tell you that of those resumes we look at, and, I'm, and this is true, I think, for most recruiters and most companies, 95% we just blow off. We move past. Uh, we did a test. My partner and I, Barry Deutsch, did a test uh, a while back, uh, a month or so ago. And uh, for the fun of it, we posted an ad on the, uh, one of the boards just to see the difference in volume of the number of resumes that we get today, oh, say, versus the volume of resumes we got, oh, I don't know, six months, a year ago when the job market was hot, for example. At any one point in time, we get up to 500 resumes, five to 600 resumes off an ad. How do we screen five to 600 resumes, and why do we only pick 20 of them to talk to? Maybe 30, uh, a few more than that. Uh, but we only pick those few to talk to. Why do we do that? Why aren't those other 400-plus resumes? Well, they may be talented people, and they may even hit the mark. They may be qualified. But, but recruiters and companies pass them by. So, I mean, that's a big topic today that we're going to try and cover and hopefully solve those problems. Let me go to a call because we have a call right off the bat uh, from the 714 area code. Uh, uh, go ahead, ask your question. Introduce yourself. Uh, ask your question. Let, let's discuss your issue. Uh, go ahead. Hi, Brad. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah, my name, name is Debbie Knight. Hi, Debbie. And um, I, uh, my question for you is I'm a senior finance executive with – a lot of experience, over 25 years of experience for the financial service industry, in particular mortgage lending. And um, so with a lot of that information, um, what I find is, and I'm working today, but when I was in transition, uh, what I found was um, there were people that were very interested in all the detail behind my, all my experience. But then there's a group of people that, you know, just wanted to hear what my leadership skills were all about. So how do you strike a balance, you know, on a piece of paper, which is your resume, and then when you're talking to those future employers? Strike a balance between what's on your resume and what was the other part, Debbie? And uh, uh, I'm not sure I just catch this. What are you trying to track a contrast between? The resume and something different? Well, the details in your resume, because sometimes it's a little bit detail. So you might leave somebody that um, may take the impression you're a financial analyst versus you're a senior executive and you're more of a VP of finance. How do you strike that balance? 
Well, if I if I follow you, what I, what I would suggest to you is, that for me, as I look at a resume and I look at the person, whether you're a senior executive or a financial analyst or whatever it may be, I mean, first thing I look at is title, uh, just flat out, you know, flat out title. Uh, if I'm looking for a very senior level person, as I, as I scroll down your resume, usually the titles stand out pretty quickly, and and one of the reasons for that is because as part of a title. As a recruiter, I'm looking to see if it matches what I'm looking for. I know that sounds strange, but if I'm looking for a CFO um, or a controller or accounting manager, whatever that level may be, Debbie, I want to see a title that's consistent with that. So if I'm looking for an accounting manager and I see CFO, I'm gone. I'm not interested. I'm not looking for an accounting manager and vice versa. If I'm looking for a CFO, I don't want to see accounting manager. So first of all, I want a title that stands out. And as I scroll down your resume, looking at those various titles, is there consistency in them? Does it show growth? Does it show experience at that level? Does it show some longevity at that particular position, at that title? So I can get a sense of, am I looking at someone who was really an accounting manager with a CFO title, or am I really looking at a person that for the last four jobs has been a CFO six months, six months, six months, and six months, and I have to think to myself, I know they had the title CFO, but if every six months they're looking for a job, they're probably not a very good CFO, and maybe they're in over their head. So I kind of use that as a balance as I go through it, and that's why I think title is, is very important to stand out on a resume so it dovetails nicely with what the, the companies are looking for. Does that, is that kind of along what you're talking about? Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you very much. Okay, well, if there's anything else, give me a call, and I want to tie those two together because I do think that, you know, one of the things we talk about is how quickly people look at a resume. Uh, sometimes we only we scan a resume for 15 or 20 seconds, and basically that's how long you've got to, you know, that's how long you've got to, to grab this person's attention. And if that title isn't consistent with the position, there's a high mm -hmm. probability you're going to get screened out. Uh, has that happened to you, you think? Yes, yes. I, I, when I've uh, applied for positions and um, if the title isn't real clear um, in the job description and you go in and, and, and talk to, you know, a president or a CFO um, and you're not, um, and your resume doesn't link up, you know, that's a real problem. And um, sometimes you have to do a little bit more homework in terms of the actual position so that you're sure that you're applying for the right one. So Yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point. That's very point, helpful. That Thank is, you. You're welcome. Appreciate the call. I mean, Debbie brought up a great point, and that is a lot of times the title of the position doesn't match what the title is when you get on board. Uh, for example, I mean, she talked about a CFO or a finance position. Sometimes you get on board and you interview with the company and you find out it's a CFO and a controller's title. And really, I mean, a CFO's title in a controller-type role. You got a lot of uh, detailed accounting. There's not a lot of finance. There's not a lot of treasury, a lot of banking, a lot of the uh, external kind of things. And you look at it and say, gee, this isn't a, really a job that I'm even remotely interested in because it's not at the level that I want. So titles can be misleading. That's why they're just, as recruiters, we use them as a screening tool. Uh, and I mentioned that if I'm at a level where I'm looking for a CFO, 
I may accept a controller or a VP controller to move up, but if I'm looking for a, an accounting manager or controller, I'm probably going to pass on you if, if you get a CFO, if, if you have a CFO title. I'm generally not looking for someone to move backwards. And that brings up a, a, a second question, which is often candidates think they're qualified for a job. And many times they are qualified for a job. The problem is you're also overqualified for a job. And in today's market, in today's world, something to understand is we are, as recruiters, I'm not looking for a qualified candidate. I think that's a misconception by many um, candidates that recruiters are looking for qualified candidates. I, I get emails constantly. I get phone messages constantly, how qualified I am, how qualified I am. I'm not looking for qualified people. I don't need qualified people right now. And in fact, uh, companies don't need to hire me and retain me to find them qualified people. I mean, they can do that on their own. I Recruiters right now are looking for those exceptionally qualified people. Those That 10% of, quali- of people that stand out. That's why it's so important to have what we call a compelling resume. And in fact, in our book, uh, we wrote uh, recently, went out for, for uh, the candidates. We have a book out called This Is Not the Position I Accepted. Uh, executive recruiters reveal the, the hidden secrets uh, to reducing your time in search. We don't even call the resume a resume because we don't want you to think about a resume anymore. We want you in this economy to be thinking about, you know what, this is not a resume. This is my marketing brochure. This is that marketing document that if you were working for a company, they would put marketing information to, about their company to sell their products. You're the product. Your resume needs to be so compelling and so focused on the customer or your company or that recruiter you want to get in touch with that we don't want you to think about it as a resume any, anymore. We want you to switch your paradigm. Think about it and it truly a compelling document. I mean, sorry, a marketing document that is so compelling that that recruiter or hiring manager has to call you, just like a company does. When a marketing team gets together to talk about how we're going to market our, our product, they bring in focus groups. They find out what is it that the customer is looking for. What are their hot buttons? What are their motivations? What's their underlying motivation? And how do we touch in those? You need to do the same thing. What we find as recruiters is most resumes are about you. They're focused on you, not on what that company, hiring manager, or recruiter is truly looking for. And that's a huge paradigm shift. As I talk to candidates over and over again in interview, and I interview between, I don't know, 40 to 50 candidates a week, between phone interviews, face-to-face, on average, 10 a day. The candidates will often come back and tell me that, well, this was, you know, I, I, I'm trying to communicate this to, my, to the customer or to the hiring manager, to the recruiter. But when I come back and ask them, well, is that what they're looking for? How do you know they're looking for that? Why do you think all of your SEC experience working in a publicly traded company doing Sarbanes-Oxley why is that relevant to a private company? It's not. 
Why is all of your global and international marketing and selling experience relevant to a company only selling in the U.S.? It's not. You're taking a lot of space on, this, on these two pages that's irrelevant to your customer. That's like an airline telling you and trying to sell you why it's a great thing to take a train. If you're taking an airplane, it's not. You need to focus on the customer. One of the most important things you need to focus on are benefits. Most company, most candidates focus on features. They list out for us all these skills, experiences, qualifications that make you the same as everybody else. The 500 resumes I'm going to get on financial people, I can immediately weed out, oh, 10 or 15% as just they're not even financial people or they're not at the right level. Then I can weed out another 10 or 15% because they're not geographically sound. And that's 30 to 40% gone. As I get into the other people resumes, now I'm going to start seeing, okay, what does this person bring to my party? This is a what's in it for me. Just like um, when companies advertise, we teach companies you need to advertise about what's in it for the candidate so they'll reply to you. This is the flip side of that. This is the what's in it for me because that's what I'm looking as a recruiter. What do you bring to my party? What benefits do you bring to me? I don't need to know that as a, as a financial person, you could prepare financial statements, you put together budgets, you do strategic planning. You know banking. You have financial analysis skills. I already assume that because you're a financial person. I don't need to know that as a marketing person, you do product launches. You do marketing communications. You work with PR people. You work with advertising. I already know that. You shouldn't be a marketing vice president if you don't do that. What I want to know is how did you benefit the company with those skills, how did the company benefit, generate revenue, reduce cost with those skills? And many resumes we see don't have those types of uh, features and benefits. Let me give you a quick example of this. And I'm, uh, I've got a number of emails, so I'm going to take some emails. Kind of a short story. Um, last year, maybe the year before that, I had, was doing a search for a company and um, met a candidate. It was a financial search. I met a candidate, and uh, the resume was very focused on the typical, all the basic generic kinds of skills. A lot of, had the bullet points there, but no accomplishments behind them. Talked about increasing cash flow. Talked about reducing costs. Talked about reducing inventories, but never really put any uh, results behind them. Talked about implementing an ERP system. Again, no results. So I met with the candidate. Turned out to be a good candidate. And I said to the candidate, you're going to have to redo your resume. You're going to have to put some bullet points here and or take these bullet points and talk to me about how you – what was the result of increasing, of, of increasing inventory turns? Uh, did inventory turns go from – Four to eight? Did they go from four to four point two? What did they go from? Talk to me about how you increased in inventory turns. I want to know. Talk to me about what costs were reduced. Did you just reduce T and E, travel and entertainment by one percent? Who cares? Or did you did you really impact costs 
at a significant amount. So we went back and we put together, or he put together, a number of accomplishments around those cost reductions, around how they uh, increased uh, those inventory turns, um, and really managed that process around um, the savings and the specific results. Let me give you an example. On one of these, he said, designed and implement solutions to management reporting requirements. That was what he had there as a feature. Designed and implemented solutions to management's reporting requirements. And then he had another bullet point there by implementing a dashboard. I said, that means nothing. What is, so what does that mean? What did they do with that dashboard? So here, that was the feature. We came back with this. Developed a dashboard executive management reporting system to assist the executive team in maintaining the pulse on the business. This allowed for quicker responses times and shortened decision-making by two weeks. Inventory was reduced from th- over 300,000 and turns went from, four, I'm sorry, from 5 to 6.5. That's the benefit. That's what implementing that dashboard and how managed by keeping their pulse on the business was able to impact the business. So we redid this. I took the re- I took the resumes in and met with the client. We went through four or five resumes, and they decided to interview this candidate. And they started going through the process. And I don't remember what it was, whether it was before the interview, uh, before the offer went out. The candidate ultimately did get the job before the offer went out, or second or third interview. I get a call from the VP of HR, and the VP of HR says to me, Brad. You know what? We got this person's resume uh, about six months ago and uh, decided to pass on this candidate. And because we got the candidate uh, six months ago, we're not sure how to handle this in terms of letting the candidate know whether they should tell them they got the resume or you know, what exactly to do with the candidate. Uh, we had a discussion about that, and it was no big deal because the candidate sent the resume in uh, when they were – before they had retained me to do the search. It was, it was, so it was no big deal. But I asked the VP of HR, I don't understand why you passed on the candidate. I don't understand what it was when you got the resume that you didn't bring the candidate in. What did I see different, or what did we see different the second time? And it boiled down to he had sent the old resume in. A lot of information, a lot of skills, a lot of qualifications but no benefits. Once we were able to communicate the benefits, not the features of the dashboard, of how they impacted the business, of how they took cost reductions, we, the company was able to align those with the issues they were looking for. So one of the things I want to suggest to you is put in results. If you increase cash flow by X, put in X. If you increased inventory turns but from X to Y, let the reader understand that. Un- help the reader know the benefits that you bring to the party. That is what recruiters are looking for, and that's what that 40% stand out. When I can start seeing that, hey, I've got a, a, a resume here that number one, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, vital information to put on a resume. Some of the information left off resumes that is so key, that is so basic, 
that I want to talk about that separately. And let's talk about this because we have a discussion on our LinkedIn discussion group that one I mentioned earlier in the show. And by the way, just a reminder, I've got a bunch of emails here. I'll try and get through them all. Uh, but you can also call at 818-602-4929 like Debbie did. And we'll talk about your issue and rather than an email, but I'll try and get to all of them. Vital information to put on a resume. Here's some basic things that have to be on a resume uh, that you should include on every single resume. And that is so often missing. Number one, you should have something on there about your company. I get resume after resume after resume that says, I work for Reliant Industries. I work for ABC Industry Industries. I work for IP, you design it, software. What the heck are those companies? What do they do? I haven't a clue. And I'm sure you don't either. I don't know whether Reliant Industries or uh, ABC Software Company is a $400 million company or a $20 million startup or a $2 million startup. I don't have a clue how big the organization is. Give us some information. It only has to be maybe one sentence. Reliant Industries, a $45 million manufacturer of widgets with with two manufacturing facilities, one in the U.S. and one in China. I at least have a point of reference about that company now. Give me a little bit of information about your company so I can align that with my company. Now, you don't have to do that on well-known companies, Microsoft, uh, American Airlines, Xerox, Dell Computers. But when most of us don't work for those companies. We work for a small, unknown Maybe a maybe even a local, well localized, well known local company. But when we pass send our resume outside the local area, they don't know that company. So the first vital information is tell me something about the company, a short description, which should include the size of the organization and a little bit about the structure of the organization. Is it international? Is it domestic? Do they have multiple sites? How many sites? A Rental and leasing company with 45 locations distributed throughout the U.S. and four locations in in Europe. Tell me something about the company. Gives me a scope. Helps me put your experience into perspective. Then give me a little bit about your organization. As the VP of sales, I oversaw 15 regions with 14 sales reps and direct sales reps and four outside distributors or independent distrib- independent reps. At least I know now the size of your organization, your combination of direct sales force and how you have 15 different sales reps, sales territories, and you work through independent reps also. It gives me a scope. As the CFO responsible managed a controller, a treasury department, four, uh, two district, I mean, sorry, two division controllers and an international controller. I've got a scope of your responsibility. I've got a span. I can put that into perspective. As the CFO of a $65 million company, I was responsible for human resources, IT, uh, and all finance and accounting with a staff of about six, or not about, but a staff of six. Gives me a scope. I know what the functional areas you're over. At least give me something. At least give that reader something to, to, to align that with their organization, to dovetail the two together. Some of my pet peeves 
are salespeople. Don't you think one of the most important things for a salesperson ought to be telling me what the heck the product is? Don't you think that's just important if you're a salesperson? It'd be nice to know what you're selling. Do you know how many resumes I get from salespeople that I don't have a clue what the product is? Because they don't tell me the name of the company. I'm sorry, they don't tell me what the company does. So I don't know that. And then they don't describe whether their product is uh, high volume, low dollars. Am I selling one product a year for $50 million or am I selling 50 million products a year for a buck? That's pretty important information. But resume after resume doesn't tell me that. IT people. Love it when IT people tell me I manage an IT department with a $400,000 a year budget and one of their bullet points will be uh, implemented a new ERP system in you know six months at a cost of $100,000. So what I know so far is that you know how to implement an ERP system and you know how to spend $100,000. You haven't told me what the benefit to the company is. You told me you spent $100,000 of their money, but what the heck is the ROI? Don't you think that's what a CEO is looking at thinking when he gets your resume that says, great, I need, this is what I need, another IT person that's going to tell me I need to spend $100,000 and I get nothing for it. What value did they get? How did that ERP system help them manage their business better? How did they make quicker, faster, better information did they get with that? What information about their customers were they now able to respond quicker to to improve their service? And what was the value of that? Isn't that what an IT system should do? Or why do I need to spend $100,000? That's what these uh, CEOs and that's what recruiters are looking for. Bring that vital information to the table with those features. Not, it's, not the benef- I'm sorry, not, it's not the feature that you spend $100,000. It's the benefit of what did I do with that $100,000. In our book, the one I mentioned earlier, this is not the position I hired, the position I accepted. And by the way, you can download this book for $1 and read it for two weeks on our, from our internet. $1, you can read the whole book. We're not giving you anything. For 3 bucks, we'll ship you the book. So for a, as we're trying to make this as available to you as possible. I dissect four resumes. I take four resumes by random that we received. I post them right there. I obviously had to change some of the names. And then I have a commentary on them as to why these resumes don't sell or why they're, what they could do to improve themselves. And then I have a complete example of a resume that we believe as recruiters you should use. So right there for a dollar, you can get all of these Download them, take a look at them. We have a template you can use to make a resume, to develop a resume, and it's a buck. It is the best dollar you will spend and get the most value out of to find what these four resumes do. And by the way, one, two of them are good resumes. One that we recommend you use, and one of them was a pretty good resume with benefits. Uh, but the other three or four are examples of prob- maybe your resume. Maybe I selected your resume of what information you're not giving us and what you're doing wrong or what you could do better. The real goal here was to learn. It's not to to complain about the resume. It's to help you learn and identify what it is that you could do better. And I think we have five chapters on resumes about order, do's and don'ts, um, how to take features and turn them into benefits. And I would encourage you to invest a dollar in that because it's so important. Let me take an email. 
John writes, I'm not sure where John's from, so uh, this is the famous John. Uh, it says, I am now 60 years old. I have done sales and marketing all my life. How many years should I go back on my resume? I want my experience known, but my age might hurt me. Well, that's true. Uh, you want your experience known. But what you really want, John, is your accomplishments known. We're back to that experience thing. Candidates' mindset is on experience. And part of the reason I'm trying to harp on this is change your mindset. Get away from experience. I would have loved that to say, I want my accomplishments to be known. I want my benefits to be known. Because your experience doesn't sell. Experience are facts. People don't buy on facts. They buy on emotion and they buy on benefit. So, but let me answer your question. Number one, my belief is, and I say this in the book and in the example I give how to do this in the, in the, in the resume is, I believe you only need to go back about maybe 15 to 20 years on your resume and then condense everything else. That's how you can get it on two pages, number one. So you might go back you know, 20 years and then let's say 20 years back is somewhere around uh, 1990. If you want to go to 85, go back to 85. That's fine. And then you can just put, you know, uh, Honeywell, uh, 80 to 85. General Motors, 1960 to 70 or 1980, 75 to 80. Uh, you're not going to hide your age, John. It isn't going to happen. The fact that you don't have uh, dates on your education, the fact that you have a bunch of companies listed without dates on them, it's like a red flag. It's like, hey, I'm old. I'm old, so I'm trying to hide it, but by hiding it, I'm making it a big red flag so everybody see it. And it doesn't matter to hide it. If you're, old, if you're concerned about your age, then when they meet you, they're going to discriminate anyway. Age is irrelevant. And I've had many conversations with HR people, CEOs, recruiters. Most agree they, very, age discrimination does not exist as prevalent as candidates think it, candidates believe it does. Not saying it doesn't exist. I'm just saying it's not as prevalent. Every person I've ever asked that says age discrimination exists, I follow up and say, well, how much did age discrimination did you do when you were hiring? What age discrimination did you implement when you were hiring? Not once come back and say, oh, I don't do it. Everybody else does it, but not me. So I suggest go back about 20 years, then just condense it. Here's my thoughts on that from your own standpoint. Do you really want to go to a work for a company that is making the hiring decision or the decision to bring you in for an interview because it's a resume on what you did as a sales rep in 1980? Is that really relevant anymore if you're a VP of sales? Do you really want to go to work for that CFO or that controller if they want to go back in 1985 and see, gee, I wonder if she reconciled bank accounts back then. Do you really want to go back to work for a company in manufacturing and operations when they want to go back and see what you did 30 years ago? Technology is out of date. You don't run a calculator anymore. It's not relevant. It's relevant in terms of continuity in your background and the growth you've had. But if they're going to make a decision to bring you in on what you did in 1980, I think you've got to ask yourself, is this a job I want? Debbie was a financial person. Do I, is it really relevant that I asked Debbie, Debbie, can you run a 10 key? We don't run 10 keys anymore. 
you know how to work carbon paper in the mimeograph machine that you were working back in 1980 to fact to, to Xerox those or, or copy those financial statements? Not relevant. So go back 15, 20 years. What you're trying to show in that 20 years, by the way, is growth. How have you grown over that 20 years? How have you developed? What, what are the consistent impacts you've made over that 20 years on the company? How have you benefited those companies continuously over that, over that 20 years? What is your trend line? Does it trend on a 45-degree angle? Does it trend up and then drop right down? Does it trend um, hit a cliff at 1990 and you've done nothing for me recently? That's really what your focus is over the next um, period of time. So that's my basic answer to that question. Um, Barbara in Scranton, Pennsylvania says, what are your thoughts about hiring someone to write my resume? Great question. I would tell you that this is one of my biggest issues uh, right now. Um, I've kind of, as I've been talking to more and more candidates through this recession, I'm coming of the opinion that what we've really got is a lot of inexperienced people trying to help exper- other inexperienced people, and that doesn't work. That's like there's a I heard years ago a, a saying that amateur golf teachers produce amateur golfers. I'm going to suggest to you if you want to get a, someone to write your resume and give you input, number one, you better make sure they're not a professional resume writer. My sense of so many professional resume writers is that they've taken a seminar. They've always they got a word processor. They've written their own resume, and so all of a sudden, overnight, they become a professional resume writer. I'm sorry. I, they've never sat in front of a company and had to justify what's on that resume. They've never had to sit like a recruiter in front of CEOs, CFOs, HR people, and hear why that resume is no good. They didn't get the feedback from that HR person that I got about why that one resume didn't work and the one we put together did. They've read all the books. Maybe, I don't care if they put together 10,000 resumes. If they haven't been involved interacting with the hiring company, with the recruiter that's going to put that resume together, I suggest you may have to want to step back and rethink it. Your opinion may be just as good as theirs. So I have this thing right now, and it, maybe it's me, but I think too many people are getting what they think is professional help, and the fact is the people that are the pros are the people that deal with thousands of resumes that can tell you after 20 years of experience presenting thousands of resumes, talking to hundreds of HR people, hundreds of hiring managers, what makes a good resume, what makes a compelling resume, and what makes it stand out. If they haven't done that, then I suggest to you find another professional resume. Now, I'm not knocking professional resume right. There's some very good ones. I'm just saying do your homework. Find out why are you a professional. Just because they come back and say, well, I've been writing resumes for 15 years and I've written hundreds of resumes, big deal. You've been doing something for 15 years, maybe playing golf, maybe playing tennis, maybe you've been uh, writing books. doesn't make you a bestseller. It doesn't make you a professional resume writer. I mean, uh, golfer, and it doesn't make you a professional tennis player. It just means you've done a lot of activity. So find a professional that really does understand what a resume is and what makes a resume and has sat across the desk 
and been interactive between the recruiter, I'm sorry, between the, you, the candidate, and between that hiring manager, and have seen what resumes work, what resumes don't work, has gotten feedback, have been told why this resume is worthless or why we don't want to hire somebody off this resume, or come back and said, well, maybe a good person off this resume, but I've got these questions. Now you got to go back to the candidate and you learn, oh, on the next resume, I think I'll answer those questions first. So that's my rant and rave on professional resume writers. I also think that there are, you know, there's no magic to a resume. I don't want to imply to you that there's a magic to a resume. I think there's vital information that needs to be on a resume, but there's no um, magic bullet. Uh, I don't think the uh, the information on the top of a resume where we list all of our skills and qualifications is relevant. I know a lot of people will tell you it's relevant for keyword searches and using it, but I every leader I talk to has strong team building, good communicator, international, global thinker, intuitive, broad, all those kind of things. Every marketing person is, you know, strong PR, strong management, strong product launch. They're all important. And I know that uh, they're important for keywords, but put those in the body of your resume. In the keyword, at least our resume tracking system picks those keywords up. So save that real estate on top to use it to talk to me about your company and give me that vital information. Uh, Bill in St. Louis says, I have been given different advice as to whether or not to use chronological or functional style resumes. What is your advice and what do recruiters prefer? Let me just describe the, the, the two different so we're on the same wavelength. Chronological resume generally is just that. It's date-oriented. Usually starts with your current company, your most recent position, and then goes backwards throughout your career. So if you have 30 years experience, you're gonna, there's going to be dates from one job to the next, and it's going to be in a chronological order, and you can basically track this person. You can basically, you may see gaps there, and you're going to wonder what those gaps are, but it's by date. Functional resume tend to be a lot of bullet points about things you've done in your function and at the bottom of the resume may have the dates that you work these specific companies, but there's no um, information as to what you did within those companies. So you can't tell when it says opened up an independent rep channel in Europe. You don't know whether they did that 30 years ago or just last month because it just lists that as a bullet point. This is what I did in my function. These are some of the accomplishments I've had over my career, and they're just bullet pointed. So with that backdrop, uh, every panel I've sat on, every recruiter I've talked to, and in fact, recently I was, last year, I was on a uh, uh, webinar with um, hiring managers, HR people, I think two other recruiters. We were having this open conversation, and this question came up. And then the moderator asked all of the, part, uh, all of the uh, uh, presenters, and there were maybe eight of us on there, uh, to ask, what do we think? Unanimously. It was never, 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 if I'm not clear, never use a functional resume. They get trashed. I see a functional resume, delete. Again, it leaves off vital information. I want to know when and did you open up that independent rep channel, last year or 20 years ago? I also know that you're using a functional resume to hide your age. So right away, I think, up oh, older person, hide your age. I don't... You're, you're setting a red flag up. 
put a chronological resume together. Show us where you made those accomplishments. Show us when you made those accomplishments. And I want to know the environment. Did you do that in a $20 million fast-growing company that was going from 20 to $60 million? Or did you do that in a Fortune 500 company? I don't know where you did those, made those accomplishments and those, or those benefits when you prepared or when you did those. And that's really important to know. Uh, with thir- uh, Jim from San Francisco says, with 30 years experience, how do I get it all on two pages? I think I kind of answered that, Jim. Again, I would go back about 20 years, consolidate it, hit your, hit your bullet points, hit your accomplishments, and then summarize. A real important topic before we run out of time, I want to bring this up. This is really important. One of the things you have to do when you prepare a resume, I need you to step back for a minute. And for each job, what you need to put together is between 8 and 10 accomplishments with specifically tied results to the company, those features. Why 8 to 10? I'll let you get away with 6 if you only have 6, but 8 to 10 is better. Here's why. Because at every single job, different accomplishments may be different for that company. What I mean by that in one sentence, an accomplishment in company A may not be a relevant accomplishment with company B or company C. So you have to move those bullet points in and out. If you only have four accomplishments you've got and you've got those on your resume, you're taking the position one size resume fits all. And that's not true. That's a kiss of death. A generic resume doesn't fit all. So I, when I coach people, when I work one-on-one with my candidates and I'm coaching them and helping them, I get them to put together eight to ten accomplishments at each and every one of their positions. And then based on the company, based on what little information I might have because of the company or based on the position, resume A may have accomplishments one, four, and seven. Resume B may have two, three, and four. Resume, a target discount, it may have one, six, and eight. So we move those bullet points in and out like we did with that resume I used at the beginning to ensure that we cover the benefits to that company. Again, having a bunch of benefits about international experience to a privately held domestic company only isn't an accomplishment. But there may be other things you did that relate to that company. Having a lot of uh, external reporting as a financial person to the SEC isn't relevant to a privately held company. Working with private equity may be very important, but may not be important to a family-owned business. So you have to monitor those, moving those in and out. And finally, Martha, I only have a few time, few minutes left for Martha. Martha wants to know, what about hiring a career coach? And this is a great question because um, on uh, our second, I, I believe it's uh, May 11th. I have to check your calendar. I believe it's the second uh, Monday in May. We're actually going to have uh, Martha, uh, uh, a career coach w- w- uh, on the show. She is runs the Career Coach Institute, and Marsha... Uh, Bench is her name. She founded the Career Coach Institute. You can look it up online, Career Coach Institute. And Marsha's going to come on and we're going to talk about what are the benefits of a career coach. Why should you use a career coach? 
when should you use a career coach? And that's, I believe, May 11th. Uh, but check the data. I believe it's the second Monday in uh, May that she's going to come on. So we're going to talk about those issues. So in summary, here's what I'd like you to think about on your resume. I'd like you to think about what vital information is there. Do you have the company on there? Do you have a description of the company? Do you have the scope of your background and the, and the scope of your responsibility, your organization? Are you focused on features or are you focused on benefits? And if you're focused on benefits, it's only a benefit if I can understand the results. There are no other features or benefits if I can, they don't relate to me. They're uh, not important. So you have to get focused on that. Is your resume a resume or is it a compelling marketing brochure? Are you totally focused on what that other person does, is looking for? There are some quick resume do's and don'ts. Number one, as I close, do's and don'ts, don't write a biography, autobiography. Don't use gimmicks. We don't need yellow highlighters. We don't need pictures. We don't. Uh, here's another one. If you have jargon unique to your function, don't use it because a recruiter may not use it or a screener may not use it, know what it means. So spell it out, especially IT. Don't put all those, that IT nonsense in that nobody understands except the CIO when you've got an HR person trying to figure out what it is. You can leave off relevant and irrelevant information. Nobody cares that you were a Boy Scout in 1965. Nobody cares that you were an elder at your church. may be important through the interviewing process, but not important now. So um, if you'd like more information, go to our website, impacthiringsolutions.com. You can download Actually, you can download for free a chapter on, our chapter on winning the phone interview. You can get our book for a dollar where we cover all the topics I talked about today. Every single topic I talked about today is in our book, and it's yours for a buck. When I sit with candidates time and time again, I end up referring back to our book. Most of the questions are in the book because I've interviewed 10,000 candidates, and I reviewed thousands of tens of thousands of resumes, and I put those in our book. So that's what it's all about. That's what we're going to try and help you with today, and we hope we helped you with today. Try to get your emails in, but get that resume focused. Get that resume targeted. Think about the person that's going to read that resume. What's in it for them, not what's in it for you. A resume is not about you. It's about how do you get them motivated to call you in. And you got to do that in 20 seconds because that's how long we look at a resume. And with that, I'm going to leave you today. You can follow up on the show later. If you didn't get a chance to hear the whole show, it'll be posted later on latalkradio.com. You can go back and hear the first part, or if, you had a, uh, if you're here now and you didn't get the first part, go back to latalkradio.com, uh, and by tomorrow it'll be posted there. You can download and re-listen to it again. So until next week, Monday at 11 o'clock, I look forward to uh, giving your emails, brad at impacthiringsolutions.com. Uh, I'll try and reply to any emails you have. Join our LinkedIn website, I mean our LinkedIn discussion group, Impact Hiring Solutions Job uh, Job Search Network and communicate with us. Uh, look forward to talking to you again next week. Have a great week. Enjoy and get your resumes focused. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you next week. Goodbye.
listening to You're Not the Person I Hired with Brad Remillard, only on LA Talk Radio.